Greta, your first climate strike was a lonely event a little over a year ago. And in the intervening time, you have sparked the interest of millions, literally, of children around the globe, demanding action for climate change. What's your message to world leaders today? My message is that we'll be watching you. Today I'm appealing for leadership from politicians, from business and scientists, and from the public everywhere. We have the tools to make our actions effective. What we still lack, even after the Paris Agreement, is the leadership and the ambition to do green industrial needed. revolution that in the next 10 years will create hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of jobs. I can today announce that the UK government has decided to become the world leader in low-cost clean power generation, cheaper than coal, cheaper than gas, and we believe that in 10 years' time... The Energy Research Accelerator, ERA, is embarking on an ambitious plan to further its world-leading research into energy solutions. This plan will help level up the Midlands, create 7,000 green jobs and generate a GVA of £1.5 billion. In this podcast, we investigate ERA's big ideas for a net zero future. My name is Professor Martin Freer. Um, I'm the director of the Energy Research Accelerator, which is a a Midlands-based organisation which brings together eight eight of the Midlands universities, eight of the powerhouses of the the region, with the British Geological Survey. Uh, It's a collaboration of uh, universities who have an ambition to really shift the dial on the low carbon transition that we, we need to go, go through. And rather than historically, as universities have competed, we are now collaborating, working together, pooling our resources to um, deliver a transition. How long has ERA existed and, and, and how is it funded? We, we've been going since about 2016. Uh, we're about four and a half years through our programme um, to this point. We're funded through an organisation called Innovate UK. It's a uh, a national research council which receives its funding from from government uh, and then that funding is distributed to projects um, which support UK industry, UK business, which is the mandate of Innovate UK. Uh, And so through through our programmes we work uh, not only with our industrial advisory board, but we have a wider partnership of about 40 companies uh, and indeed have supported across the region about a thousand businesses in their development of their um, their technology, the innovation that they're trying to bring to market uh, and development of skills. Can you give a, a brief description of the type of work that ERA's been responsible for since since coming together in 2016? So to try and describe what we do, um, we, we, we try and manage the innovation pipeline. So from the, from the beginning of an idea, uh, working with either academics or, uh, or industry or, or small businesses, uh, and uh, to develop and test out those ideas uh, and that could be uh, initially through um, 
bits of bits of research, uh, but through to to demonstration and testing, scaling up of technology, and then taking that technology out of an environment which is a laboratory uh, and putting it into the into the real world. Um, so much of what we have done has been creating with partners those real world opportunities. So within, uh, within the region, we have energy innovation zones. Uh, one of those is Taisi Energy Park. This is a wonderful fusion of uh, energy systems. Uh, so it's based around waste to energy plants, which uh, take, our, take our waste and produce energy. Then we can use that energy for uh, doing all sorts of things, putting uh, uh, generating hydrogen for, for buses and for, for transportation. Uh, and bringing together thus the uh, transport energy and waste system. And we've also got demonstrators which uh, involve uh, development of uh, housing housing developments, um, where we're working in Nottingham uh, to develop a, a housing um, uh, development of 500 houses on a 250-acre site. And other things that we've done, which we're uh, really proud of, is uh, given uh, a real kick to the UK battery manufacturing uh, industry through the development of facilities at, uh, at Warwick. Uh, and those have led to a battery industrialization centre uh, and maybe one day a, a, a gigafactory within the region for, for battery manufacturing. So, so many, many things that I can't quite squeeze into, into these few moments, but uh, you get a sense of what we're doing is really uh, accelerating, hence the name, those technologies through into market. So what, what's next for ERA? What, what's the current thinking about future work? Can you describe what's happening at the moment? So the point we have got to right now is that we've developed all of this capability. We've got all of these facilities. Um, so we've kind of established a platform to, on which to build. Uh, and having, having created that platform, what we have done is worked with our industrial partners, worked with uh, local authorities, um, worked with the public to, to figure out what is it that needs to be delivered next. Um, and we have come up with a series of six big ideas which are really major national priorities for delivering an energy transition. You mentioned the Industrial Advisory Board. Can you talk about the role that they played in, in formulating the big ideas? We're going to go on to talk about them in a moment, but the, the, the six big ideas that, that you have. The Industrial Advisory Board have been absolutely crucial in, uh, in shaping what we're doing. Uh, if, you, if you think about it, uh, business is at the hard end of this. It's got to deliver solutions and it's, uh, it's not only thinking about what, what it's got to deliver now, it's foresighting, it's thinking what is the opportunity, what are the challenges of the future. So, so uh, bringing a group of companies, businesses together has been extraordinarily valuable in getting the insights that arise from the, the challenges that they're facing uh, and then trying to match what uh, what those challenges are with the expertise and capability that ERA has in order that we um, have the, uh, the resource uh, and the track record to deliver things. Um, so th those conversations have gone, gone on over a, 
a period of nine, nine months or so, maybe 12 months now. Uh, in shaping those big ideas you talk about them as an advisory board but to, to what extent do you actually work with them as well are they are they involved in the research process you've talked about how grounded the work of era is and in the real world scenarios are, are some of these partners involved in the research with you absolutely and when we when we started era um they, they uh, industry has been in there from from the beginning and um although era received some funding from from government uh we have a very considerable investment from industry. It's, it's well over a hundred million pounds. And, and the reason that industry is invested in, in the journey that ERA is on is because they benefit directly. We work on collaborative programs. We develop new, new areas uh, together, new areas of, of research and development, but new areas of deployment. Uh, and so this is very much a collaborative relationship that we have with our industrial partners. So coming to the big ideas themselves, we have six of them, beginning with energy storage. And can you just explain to me the reasoning behind each of these six? So starting with energy storage. If you think about energy and the way that we're generating it right now. Uh, so so we, the UK has been through a fantastic transition in terms of how it generates electricity. We've moved away from coal. We've got an enormous amount of wind power now generating electricity, low carbon, clean electricity, and, and solar as well. Now, the problem with these ways of generating electricity is that it is intermittent. It happens sometimes, uh, and it doesn't happen other times. Uh, and to get the most out of your energy system, therefore, you need to capture the moments when you've got too much electricity generation uh, and uh, transform it to the time when you don't have enough electricity generation. So you need storage, you need ways of doing that. And you need ways of doing that, which is not just batteries. Um, that although the UK is developing large scale battery manufacturing, uh, the real solution for longer term, medium term ways of storing energy are different. Uh, and so what we're looking at in this big idea is how you can do grid scale, large scale uh, energy storage using different technologies. And they could be compressed air energy storage. So compressing air, uh, you're putting energy into the system. As you uh, allow that compressed gas to expand, you can recover that energy. And similarly, we're also exploring liquid air energy storage. Liquid air energy storage is taking the air that's around us cooling it down, turning it into a liquid and storing energy for a moment inside that liquid. If you put heat in, then that gas expands and you can uh, drive a turbine recovering the energy that you've stored in the liquid. So using those te technologies, using those approaches, we have a way to manage the electricity system in the future. Martin, I, was, I wanted to ask another question now and, and I, I want to sort of steer that fine line between trying to open it up and be a helpful yeah. question and it is not it? and it not dumbing down so this is my question my question i wanted to ask you is that it's sort of energy storage is one of those really interesting areas because what we don't think about like when, when fuel is moved around like in an oil tanker or coal is held you know in a physical space that is energy storage that energy is being stored and it's potential energy to be used at a point and and we that happens without us actually thinking about it and then the issue of like you say not just batteries 
So I know there's a sort of GCSE physics element to this, which is, you know, energy never breaks down. And I'm aware of who I'm speaking to as I'm saying this, but it doesn't break down, but you just, you, you can tra transform in different ways. It, it's, I don't know if that's too much of a dumbed down question to sort of just re-emphasize energy storage, what an issue it is, because I think to the layperson, I sort of, I don't even realize that, you know, a lump of coal is energy stored. I don't think of it like that, but actually we do have to think with renewables, we do have to think about that. And it is a, is a challenge to us. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, the point you make is a, is a really interesting one. Um, that historically, we've been really lucky to have a, a way of utilizing energy which has taken advantage of, of the way nature stores energy uh, in fuels such as coal and gas, um, and that we can release that energy at the moment that we need or want it, um, and that is burning it typically. As we move away from coal and gas, what we're doing is <laughs> losing that ability to produce energy at the moment that we need or want to. Uh, and we've got to think about different ways of managing the energy system in the future. Uh, and storage ways of taking the electricity which is generated. So a wind turbine generates electricity in the moment. And if you don't use it in the moment, uh, then you've lost it. Uh, and there are great examples of when uh, wind turbines have generated too much electricity and it just gets dumped. So what we need to do is take that excess power, store it in a way which is efficient for a period of time, which then allows us to mitigate the fact that we might not have electricity generation at some other time. So the second big idea is decarbonising heat. And can you, can you just describe what that is and what that means? Yeah, it, it, it's a good question because many people um, won't appreciate that there's a need to decarbonise heat. There's so much uh, focus has been given around decarbonising electricity. And uh, as we've already described, great work has been done in that direction and the investment in wind power. But if you think about how we use energy uh, and the CO2 emissions that result from that, uh, about 40% of our energy utilization is associated with heat. Uh, and about a third of our CO2 emissions are associated with heat. So it's, in some ways, it's the Cinderella of the energy challenge. So it's been, it's been forgotten about. And the reason it's been forgotten about is it's quite hard to deliver. Electricity is generated at a grid scale. Uh, so you've got a large, uh, large power plant which generates electricity, and and we all receive that if it's clean electricity, that clean electricity um, through through the grid. If you want to decarbonise heat, it relies on changing the way that people generate heat inside their homes. So it's an extraordinary challenge, which is going to be uh, changing the way that we live our lives at a very personal level and how we generate heat and how we insulate our homes to ensure that we're making best use of the heat that we are generating. The third big idea is system simulation, data, digital and informatics. Can you, can you unpack the sound like there's a lot in there? What, what does all that refer to? So I, I, um, I take you back to, to last summer when there was, uh, famously, there was a, there was a power outage um, uh, there was a failure in some some of the generation side of the the UK uh, UK grid, uh, and trains stopped. People lost power, 
and it cost an extraordinary amount of money to the country. And part of, part of the challenge that we have is to better understand the electricity grid system that we have with us right now. Um, but also recognizing that the way that we are going to generate and uh, exploit energy in the future is going to be vastly different to uh, how we do that now. We're gonna be generating energy locally, uh, using it locally, selling it locally. And, and so what one really needs is to better model what the energy system, grid system is going to look like in the future. So we can plan properly for the future. And part of that is getting better understanding of the data. Um, so the better data you've got around the, the grid system, the more you can plan for the future. And then the last part is ensuring that we are taking best advantage of the, the digital transformation which is happening. So that in, of course involves data and it involves simulation, but it involves creating digital environments uh, which we can virtually understand. So take a city like Birmingham or Nottingham, how we can virtually understand how that city works. And once you have that, um, that ability, you can plan for the energy systems of the future. And just to elaborate, and I'm sure that all of these connect in, in various ways, but does that particularly your, your point earlier about energy storage, about knowing when you need it and where you need it, not only in real time, but also projecting to the future. Is, is that what would be included in this as well? The sort of data that you would you would get about a particular city or a locality? So all of these things, you're absolutely right. All of these things link together somehow. And if we just go back to the other big idea, um, if you're going to decarbonize heat, how on earth are you going to do that? Well, you could install heat pumps into, into homes. Heat pumps require quite a lot of electricity. Uh, and that means changes to uh, the grid infrastructure within, within towns, within streets, within, uh, within cities. Uh, you also might generate your heat by putting hydrogen into the gas grid and replacing methane. And again, that requires uh, investment into the local gas grid and infrastructure. Now, to do that, you need to be able to understand the infrastructure that there is there already, um, to capture and characterize the data, uh, and then exploit that understanding and data uh, to uh, de develop the system of the future. So you, you know, this this simulation this this modeling work uh, is all part of building an understanding of what the future needs to look look like in advance of actually investing in infrastructure the fourth big idea integrating resource recovery with energy production can you explain that one to us so at the moment if we think about how we manage our waste streams uh, and there's kind of waste streams now and there's waste streams of the of the future but we, we don't manage them particularly well. Um, we might, um, well, historically, some of it went off to landfill. We're doing better in that sense now that less of our waste goes to landfill. Uh, much of it goes to incineration. Uh, and so we're burning our waste and capturing, at the moment, only a small fraction of the energy which is available associated with that. We could do, we could do a lot better. Uh, and ways that we could do better is segregating that waste and, for example, 
taking taking waste streams and converting them into biofuels, um, so fuels which could replace uh, petroleum or diesel. Uh, we could also separate out of those waste streams plastics and convert them into, into hydrogen, which could be used as part of the future hydrogen economy. But another element is um, if we're, when, when those wind turbines come to the end of their life, uh, what are we going to do with all the materials which is locked up in those wind turbines? We, uh, there's, there's some very precious uh, materials and, and we need to make sure that we are developing recycling and reprocessing systems which uh, make best use of those resources and put them back into into the economy. So the fifth big idea is, is alternative fuels. Can you describe what those alternative fuels might be? So the, the alternative fuels that we're talking about here is very much looking at how we can replace oils, diesel, kerosene, which is used in, in aviation, and linking to the last big idea, how can we, how can we generate these fuels from, from the resources that we have around us? And just to pick one of them, the, one of the great challenges around decarbonizing transportation is uh, decarbonizing aviation. If you can create uh, fuels which replace those which presently derived from fossil fuels uh, for, for the aviation industry, this would be transformative. So uh, imagine a program in which you're taking waste streams and converting them into aviation fuels. The great challenge there is to produce those fuels in a way which the quality is reliable and that uh, as, as if you're producing them from waste, as the, the quality and ver uh, variability of the waste is changing, uh, that the fuel at the other end is, is, uh, is not changing because you can't put that into an aeroplane. So, so it, this, this program here is about developing new fuels, but also characterizing them and ensuring that the qualities and standards are, are met. And the sixth big idea, the final one of the of the six low carbon inter and intra urban transportation and two parts of the question really the first one is what is that so if you could explain what, what's behind the big idea but is is that something that's particularly specific to era's location in the midlands around transportation it, it is if, if we think about and let's focus not on all transportation here but let's let's focus here on logistics and freight uh, and increasingly, uh, just just through this COVID era, we're relying on new ways of uh, freight and deliveries moving around, and people living in new ways and uh, and, and with new new expectations. At the moment, uh, freight is largely fueled by diesel, and that would be diesel trucks or diesel trains. Um, we uh, cannot uh, do logistics sustainably relying uh, in the future on diesel. So one needs to think about alternative fuels. And uh, one great possibility there is, uh, is hydrogen. Uh, uh, we can use hydrogen for, for trains. Uh, it's already being done. We can use hydrogen for, for trucks. It's, it's already being done. Um, but creating an ecosystem in which that is successful is important. So, so what we're really interested in is helping the region 
and remembering that somewhere between half and one third of the truck and train logistics comes through the region is helping the region transition to a, a low carbon freight logistics system. And then the, the other component is, well, once you've kind of brought freight into, into the region, how do you then move it? And that is going to be using new modes of transport, electric vehicles, new ways of operating um, and delivering, uh, delivering uh, commodities to, to people's doors or to, to supermarkets. So the, the whole system needs to change. Uh, and this big idea is about supporting that, that transition. So just to conclude then, so the, the, am I right in thinking that the proposal you're putting together for investment for these big ideas is, is over, is it a five-year phase? Is that correct? So it, it is over a five-year phase. It is with the support of 40 industrial partners um, who have aligned uh, investments of their own of the of the order of 1.5 billion and uh, it's a program which is going to deliver um, substantial economic uh, growth and investment into into the Midlands region so we uh, we calculate that it will create 7,000 new uh, low carbon jobs uh, within the region uh, and deliver an economic benefit uh, GVA of 1.5 billion. Martin, thank you. That's been that's been really really helpful, and I know there's a lot more information that people can look at because if I were uh, I don't know involved in policy at central or local government, or if I'm an academic, or if I'm a business and wanting to know more about this, or, or you know member of the general public and want to learn more, where where would I go and find that information out, Martin? Well, if if there are things that we've talked about here which do grab your interest and imagination. Um, we are uh, already working with many, but we uh, are about uh, working with uh, as many stakeholders as we can. Um, we'll be delighted to talk to you. Uh, so please find out more about us through our website uh, and contact us through our website. And our website is www.era.ac.uk. 